Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. We are doing, again, if you're a guest here today, um, this is news to you, but we're doing a whole year on the theme Grace and Truth. The first six months, we're going to be talking about grace, and the second six months, we're going into uh, deep uh, uh, delve into the idea of truth. What is it? How is it uh, displayed in the Bible? And the first uh, month, uh, January, uh, which I think, is this the last Sunday of January? So this is the tail end of the month of January we devoted to defining what is grace. And so I'm going to speak into that. Uh, it's really based, the whole series is based on a verse, two verses in John, the Gospel of John, where it says in the Word, they're speaking of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Word, God the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So that's the uh, basis of this series. We're, we're really talking a whole year on Jesus. Uh, in the f- and of His fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so delving into, well, what does that mean? What is grace? What is truth? How does grace and truth reflect the person of Jesus Christ? Uh, grace is an absolute essential aspect of the Christian faith. It's, it's really core to every, every denomination, every aspect of Christianity, but it's often misunderstood. It really is. People have a, a shallow understanding of it or an incorrect understanding of it. It also happens to be at the center of a theological battle in our day where there's a lot of people trying to redefine what grace is. And um, uh, you may have encountered it, you may not, but I have uh, friends that have bought into a misunderstanding of grace and end up, um, there was a pastor in our association of churches that ended up not being a Christian, actually renouncing his faith, and the genesis of it was, was a misunderstanding of grace that led to a misunderstanding of the gospel, which led to a misunderstanding of the person of Jesus, which led to a misunderstanding of what the Bible actually was, to the point where it was, uh, they actually are no longer Christian. It was just like, how can that happen? <laughs> this guy had been a pastor for 20, 30 years. If we're saved by grace... How important is it that we properly understand it? What do you think? Yeah, it's pretty important. <laughs> so we want to understand it. Last week here, Mark covered the historical perspective, some of the historical perspectives of the doctrine of grace. And that's kind of just to give you a, a brief overview of some of the things that the church has taught throughout the years. Today, I'm going to switch. I'm actually going to talk about how grace is personal and powerful. Um, that, I think, is the most important. So what is grace? Common definition of grace? Unmerited favor. Everybody, uh, that's the stock definition. And you know why everybody says it? Because it's a good definition. All right? It really is. It's just, that's pretty much what it means. Unmerited favor. Another way that is commonly used to explain it is mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Punishment, hell, damnation. And grace is giving us what we don't deserve. Forgiveness, you know, 
entrance into his presence, heaven, all the rewards of, of, of the faith. <clears throat> and so that's true too. But as I was looking at these and pondering these definitions, I realized these are true, but they're really the outcome or the fruit of grace and not what grace is. All right? So unmerited favor is what I get from grace. But I get it from grace. It isn't grace itself. Let me give you an illustration. <clears throat> um, what is this? Money. How much money? 20 bucks. Very good. <laughs> so what's the value of this? How would you describe the value of this? Huh? 20, 20, 20, 21. 20 marbles? Huh? How would you describe the value of this if someone wasn't aware of the word dollar? <laughs> Six gallons of gas. Six gallons of gas. All right. Oh, so you can get somewhere with it. 20 Cokes. There's a health food fanatic if I've ever met one. <laughs> you know what the value of this is? The value of this piece of paper is probably less than a penny. All right? This is just a piece of paper. All right? Isn't it? But we so, we've been so trained to think, no, this is valuable. Huh? Well, it's just a piece. It's valuable because we ascribe value to it. The value is only because we can give this to someone and they will give us something that is of an equivalency of what this represents. But this isn't really of any value. If the economy was destroyed, and I've been to countries where, where paper money didn't mean anything anymore. And so I remember one guy was in Africa and they said that to buy enough uh, to supply a day's worth, of, they had to have a backpack filled with cash because the, each bill was worth so little, all right? <clears throat> and so, and this changes based on the economy and the government strength of our business and everything like that. So this really doesn't have any value except for the value we describe it. And so the difference between grace and unmerited favor is like the difference between the value that's ascribed to this and this. The unmerited favor is good, but the value behind it, which is grace, is even better. Amen? So another way to understand this is, is a gift versus generosity. All right? So how many like gifts? And so it, you can use a gift just to say, hey, I want to communicate my love to you. I appreciate you. Or you know what? This can be used as a bribe too, can it? You know? Hey, buddy. I'll give you this, but you owe me. And so that's a form of control. Right? And so just because someone gives you a gift doesn't mean they're generous. But a generous person gives gifts, right? And so the difference between unmerited favor, which is the gift, and grace, which is the character of God, the generosity of God, is what grace is. All right? And so unmerited favor, forgiveness, the benefits we receive are the gift, the expression. But grace, because Jesus was full of grace, that's the character of God that motivates him to give unmerited favor. 
And so that is way bigger than the actual gift. Are you getting it? And that's what you need to understand, that grace is actually an attribute of God. An attribute means a character trait. It's his personality, if you will. All right, It's a defining trait of God, is that he's full of grace, and it's most accurately and fully and clearly revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. It says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Jesus didn't need any unmerited favor, did he? Because he was God. He was God the Son. He was perfect. But he was full of grace. He had that attribute toward every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So we have access to grace through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the means of grace. And you can never disconnect grace from the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm talking that grace is personal. Grace is not an abstract idea. And this is where most Christians plug it. And most theologians, theologians, (laughs) as opposed to theologians, (laughs) and pastors and teachers. It's like they define it like this idea. But it's more than an idea. It's not just a constitutional right for Christians. How many are glad of your constitutional rights? Yeah, right? That's great. But grace is more than just like this right or thing that we get if we confess Jesus as Lord. It is an act, it's personal to God. And the only way to get it is to be personal with God. Romans 5, 17 says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. What man is he talking about there? Adam, all right? So did Adam actually sin? You think so? Yeah, right? So, so that person's disobedience, his sin, it says death reigned through that, uh, the whole of humanity. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign through, uh, in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Right. Do you see how this verse, and whenever in Scripture, it kind of like emphasizes a point or repeats a, a statement. It doesn't just say through Jesus. It says through the one man, Jesus It's saying, hey, this is a very personal thing with the person of Jesus. It's through Jesus. And so grace is obtained. The abundance of grace comes through one man. It's not an idea. It's not an abstract uh, thought. It's not a right that's just granted when you're a Christian. It comes through a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. It says another way, a little earlier in Romans 5. says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, in other words, through this person, Jesus, we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we have access by faith. Faith is simply relationship. And so when you have relationship with someone, you have access to their stuff. Right? I have relationship with Jim. 
right? Right. And, <laughs> well, what I want is his skill when my furnace breaks. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I have somebody I can call when I need, you know, repair. <clears throat> Who do you call when you need grace? Jesus. You got to know his number. You know, you don't want him to call and say, I don't know who you are. Who are you? It's personal. Second <clears throat> Peter chapter 3 says it this way. It says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and to the day of eternity. The word grow there means to enlarge, to grow up, mature, all right? to increase, increase in your capacity. Right, so this is a command of Scripture, right? The Bible says grow in grace. Grow up in grace. Become mature in grace. Enlarge your capacity of grace. All right? So do you, the Bible commands that. You all agree? Okay. Uh, so let's, uh, let's do that right now. Are you ready? Okay. Are we ready? One, two, three. Did I grow? <laughs> How do you grow in grace? You receive it. Where do you receive it? Jesus. So how do you grow in grace? Hey, exercise it. Comes Jesus. We are to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean just become more graceful yourself, although that would be the fruit of it. All right? It's not just learning more about the idea of grace. We actually grow in grace, and the, and the source of grace is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so the only way to do that, then, is to get to know Jesus. Because it's personal. The more you know Jesus, and the more Jesus is living in you, the more you will be filled with his character and the attribute of grace that he's full of. Uh, And it's only by doing that that we best reflect God to the world and actually become, you know, the Bible calls us the body of Christ. And so Christ's body should look like Jesus. Christ's body should be full of grace and truth. Where do you get that? You get that by increasing your knowledge of, and in the Bible, knowledge always doesn't, it never means intellectual information or just um, it's not head knowledge. But biblical knowledge is experiential, okay, and relational. So how do you grow in grace? You get to know Jesus better. Um, <clears throat> if I wanted to get to know uh, someone better, if I wanted to get to know Lou better, <clears throat> how would I do that? Hang out with them. Because spend time with them. Right? What else would I do while I was with them? Talk to him. Just talk. Listen to him. Ask questions. Well, that's how you do it with Jesus Christ. 
You listen to him. He wrote a whole book. And then he wants to speak to you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And so there's something. He speaks to our conscience. He speaks to our, uh, <clears throat> uh, through our word. He speaks to us through people in our lives. <clears throat> and so we want to get to know him by spending time with him. Uh, we want to get to know him by listening to him. We want to get to know him by talking to him. We want to get to know him by doing things with him, walking out uh, and reproducing what we see in him. That's how you grow in grace. So grace is personal because it has to do with the person of Jesus Christ. Um, <clears throat> grace is also powerful. My son is calling me. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully he's not in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> Sorry for the interruption. Grace is personal, and grace is also powerful. And the Greek dictionary for the word uh, grace is the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in the Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise <clears throat> of the Christian virtues, all right? So grace, by definition, is exerting, God exerting his holy influence upon our souls. Grace is the tangible energy of God being displayed in us and through us, okay? And so the idea of exerting influence. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to exert some influence on George here. All right. So we think of grace as this idea, this uh, thing that we get, but the, the definition of the word means exerting, pushing. Push, push harder. harder. <laughs> so I'm exerting some influence on this. Is this personal? It's pretty personal. <laughs> and this is the idea that God's character and attribute is actually being pushed. It pushes us and it pushes into us. And God wants to work his character, his nature into our very being. Um, <clears throat> all of God's attributes are intended to affect change in us to make us more like him, his mercy, his love, his long-suffering, his, his joy, and his grace is to transform us to be into his image. And the grace is actually the part of God that takes all of his attributes and, and, and imparts us to us if we're willing to receive it. Okay, so grace empowers us to be like him. It's powerful to change our character <clears throat> to become... Uh, like his character, and it's a, his, the force that he exerts on us. If this is true about people, okay, how much more is it true about God? What I mean by that is, if, if, have you ever been in a room and there's just been a really happy person, you know, and they're just telling jokes and they're laughing and they're just, you just get around, or you probably know somebody, whenever you're around them, you just feel better because they always are in a good mood. You like those kind of people? Yeah, you ever been the opposite? You show up at work and your boss is upset, you know, and grumpy. And within like two minutes, you go from happy to grumpy. It's not going to be a good day, you know. And so people can change the disposition of another person simply by being, who, by caring. You know, attitude is, is, is uh, contagious, 
That's true between people. It's a million times more true between God and us. And that's why it's so important to get to hang around God so that you become full of grace and truth like he is. Grace is powerful. It says in Ephesians 2, that by grace you have been saved through faith, uh, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So grace is the power that saves us from sin and death. Think about this just for a little minute. All right? Um, You know, hopefully you understand and believe uh, to be true that before Christ and without, uh, without faith in Christ's relationship with Jesus Christ, we're bound to sin and we are condemned to destruction and hell. Not necessarily just as punishment for rebellion against God, but just the consequence of living a life that, that, that follows our own rule instead of his rule, that rejects his love and demands you know, our way instead of God's way. And so the whole of humanity has been trapped in, uh, in this state of sin and destruction and bad behavior that the end of it will be death. And we get exposed to it sometimes more Clearly, like right now, everything's really nice. We're in a nice building. You're all nice people. But, you know, when you're in the middle of, like I was in Mexico on a mission trip, and they took me to the brothel where the prostitutes work. And I'd never seen anything like this. They go in there because they minister during the day to, and try to rescue women out of that. It wasn't a house. It was a neighborhood that had walls around it. And the guy at the gate wasn't a police officer. He was a gang member. And you had to stop and tell him who you are. And he looked us over and we're pastors. We're here just to, to pray. And, and down there, they're like, okay, you can go in. <laughs> it's spooky, man. It's weird. And it's nasty. And I could just, it's just horrible to see these women trapped in slavery that is destroying their lives. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's real clear death and destruction. But the whole of humanity is trapped like that, and it's grace. <clears throat> it's grace that uh, enables us to be rescued out of that into salvation, that we actually can have access to God, that we can be forgiven from all of our sins, simply. There's no way we can get out of this prison. There's no way those women in that brothel can just escape unless someone rescues them. Jesus came and rescued us out of death and destruction and delivered us into heavenly places, into relationship with him. All right? How did he do that? By grace. Wow! Grace is that powerful. Right? It's that powerful. So if it's that powerful, uh, it also enables us to do whatever good work that God's uh, called us to do. If it has the power to move us from hell into heaven, grace has the power to free you from whatever sinful, destructive, unproductive, ungodly thing that you're struggling with. 
You hear me? So if you're struggling with doubt, you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with sin or addiction, uh, pornography, uh, alcohol, whatever it may be, love of money, pride, arrogance, gossip, whatever it is, how do you get free from that? Grace! And it's the only way you can get free. And if it can save you from the eternity of hell, it can save you from tomorrow's temptation. Come on. It's powerful. This is my favorite verse, last verse message. It says, For grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Wow, this verse in Titus uh, teaches us a lot about God's attribute of grace and how, what it's intended to do. It brings salvation, but it also trains us. It educates, it disciplines. How, how many parents here know there's a difference between telling your kid what to do and actually having them do it? Okay. <laughs> how about telling them what to do and having them do it when you're not even home? All right. That takes a lot of work. It takes years. How many times I got to tell you? All right. You got to train them. Well, grace trains. It disciplines. It actually can be translated fathers. All right? It molds the character. So it's an active force that trains us to renounce the things in the world and the passions of the world and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. So it's that twofold power of grace to renounce things in the world, things that are destructive, sinful, uh, that lead to death, and things that lead us to God, into life, into righteousness, into godliness. And so grace is so far from the free pass to go ahead and sin that some people think grace means. In fact, it's actually the force and the empowerment to enable you to resist the temptation of sin, and to actually no longer even want it because you don't, you're not pulled, you don't have those worldly passions. And instead, grace creates in you, molds your character so that your passion, you, you lust for godliness, you know, and not godlessness. You, you, you desire righteousness and not just the things that this world offers. That's what grace imparts. That, that's what grace produces. And so just to wrap up, there's a verse in Hebrews that kind of communicates some of these same ideas. It says, since we have this great high priest, again, in Hebrews, talking about the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. In other words, stay true to this calling. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, you know, we all have weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so Jesus, who is full of grace and distributes that grace, that power personally, understands what you're going through. I don't know how that worked, how Jesus could be tempted in every way, but there's nothing you're facing that Jesus hasn't faced And when you're struggling with something and you go to him, he doesn't condemn you. He feels for you because he felt the same way at some point in his his earthly life. And he overcame it. 
And so you can call him and say, I need help with this. And he'll say, I know exactly what you're talking about. And this is what you can do. Let me give you the grace to overcome that. Let us then with confidence draw near. And that's your assignment. Get close to the throne of grace. God's throne is not a throne of judgment, although there is that aspect to it. But the judgment is, have you accepted his grace or have you rejected his grace? It's a throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, we just love you and we thank you that you are full of grace and truth. Lord, I pray for each person here, if there's any area where they need more grace, that they, like this scripture uh, instructs us, that we would find grace. And Lord, that we would have the full power of it and understand the personal nature of it so that we'd be changed personally. Father, thank you for each person here. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins and for being the means through which we can access your incredible grace. And Father, let us not only be receivers of grace, but let us be distributors for all those in our lives and in this community to access freedom through your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.